0: In a world where parkour is par for the course, park your horse and parse a party course. Where? Well, in the park, of course. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. This week, we're talking about the new parkour action-adventure Dying Light 2, a game about crafting an axe, running up to a zombie, and bopping him on the head. We talk about the good, the less good, and the aiden of it all, so let's get boppin'. I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: I'm Maddie Myers.
0: And I'm Jason Schreier. Hello. Hi there. Hey. Hello to both it's of us you. again. Clickety click, click. Clickety <laughs> click click. The triple click crew is back again to talk about video I games. I guess I have to
1: say it too because you, you two did. Clickety yes. click click. I. Here we go. Here it's, we go. We've taken
0: your catchphrase and we're running with it. <laughs> <laughs> the new Maddie Myers buy is
2: clickety click. Nothing
1: can usurp buy. Nothing. No. Nothing can because well, that was created organically, it's unlike clickety click click, which was of course created uh, among hundreds of focus groups right. with Max Vaughn over several decades. <laughs> right. We really <laughs> right.
0: tested that one. There were a lot mm-hmm. of. We'll to have to share sure the worked. list. We're sometime actually
2: this of the show is that really. We're
0: in the red because of all those focus groups. <laughs> like, we are, we are desperate <laughs> to recoup this. It's been very expensive hiring the consulting firm to, to wow, check all which, of our catchphrases. But with. it was so
1: useful. I mean, I feel like it's really paid off. It's so. true.
0: I mean, we have clickety click click. We're going to get a second t shirt made with clickety click click. Oh, no. And if people want to help us get out no, of
1: debt, that can't be the second shirt. <laughs> how, can
0: people, how can people help us get out of debt? Yeah. Well, they can become maximum fund members because, yeah, it's true. I mean, these focus groups will not pay for themselves. And these catchphrases don't just come out of thin air. So uh, we, we, we need your support for that and to keep making this show. And being serious, uh, it means a lot to us that so many of you are members of Maximum Fund and support the creation of this show. So, yeah, if you go to MaximumFun.org slash join, as you probably know if you listen to this show because we always mention it, you can become a member of Maximum Fun, which is our podcast network. And that is cool because Maximum Fun is cool and they have a lot of cool podcasts, but also You will get bonus episodes of this show and many others. We just did a Matrix episode. We did our favorite stuff of last year. We're about to do one on Yellow Jackets, a show that for whatever reason I always want to call Fireflies because (laughs) I played too much (laughs) The Last of Us, I guess, and I get my bugs mixed up. But we're going to talk about Yellow Jackets, which will be very fun. That'll be out in a couple weeks or so. So you still have time to watch that show. Get your trial Showtime membership and just binge the whole thing. Trust me, when you start it, you will finish it within a few days. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, maximumfun.org slash join to become a member. And thanks so much to everybody who's a member and supports the show. Okay, so this episode, we're going to be talking about the first of the big hot new video games that are out. But first, I just want to at least nod to the fact that acquisition mania continues in the world of video games. Not only did Sony buy Destiny maker Bungie, but the New York Times also bought Wordle, which I feel like is maybe bigger news. Shock, uh, shocking to everybody. <laughs> 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 I think more people probably play Wordle than, than Destiny at this. Wow, point.
1: Wow, I wonder if that's true. I might, it might be. be.
0: It might be. <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you that Emily does not play Destiny, but she plays Wordle. Um, I think there
1: are more all ages group chats about Wordle than that Destiny. That also
0: seems <laughs> seems likely. Um, so I don't know. I, I wanted to just note it and see if either of you had any quick thoughts on on two more, not as big but still big acquisitions. Since.
1: I think they should have gone swapsies. I think Sony should have gotten Wordle and the NYT should have started <laughs> running Destiny 2 as part of their game section. I just feel like it mm-hmm. would have been mm-hmm. cool. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope to see the NYT branch out more. You
2: log in, you play the crossword, you play <laughs> Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> Spelling bee, crossword, destiny to collect some loot
1: and you toss mm-hmm. some spheres to your friends and then you go <laughs> do the crossword. Yeah. Why not? Sure. why not?
2: Every every Sunday uh you get the crossword <laughs> and also a list of like the hot new what Zer is Zur. collecting that <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Jason, you broke the uh, the destiny or the bungee acquisition. What do you, you what did. do you think? What did you from all the people I, that you I talked about? I broke it to you, you guys in G chat like four hours ago.
1: Well, you didn't tell us what the news was. Yeah, Jason does. Guys, does this you guys where he goes news coming like if you think him (laughs) tweeting that is annoying imagine it in gchat and by annoying I mean lovable and cool
2: (laughs) well I put it in gchat so I don't get the urge to tweet it like I share it with you guys so I
0: don't have to share it with like okay I'll take it that's what DM um, threads are for is to place things that you don't want to tweet yeah Mm -hmm. I heard about Mm -hmm.
2: it pretty early on Monday pinged a bunch of bungee people to corroborate to try to corroborate the news and pretty much every one of them other than people who were Weirdly quiet because they didn't want to. They didn't <laughs> want to confirm it. Pretty much every one of them heard about it from me, and they were like, "Wait, what? Like Sony is buying us?" So that <laughs> was pretty funny. funny. <laughs> and then they all and then they had an all hands meeting, like at the exact same time as the news was announced to to hear about it. Um, yeah, no, my quick impression is that it's more consolidation is is really just not a great thing for the video game industry, and it's going to keep coming, and it's probably going to lead to bad long term repercussions. Um, but the, word, the move makes sense, and I've seen a lot of specu- uh, like prognostication and, and pundit hats getting put on about this thing, and the one point I haven't seen raised is a point that I think is most um, relevant, which is that Sony um, has this project in the works that news of which I broke a few months ago, called Spartacus, which is its competitor, planned competitor to Xbox Game Pass. Basically, they're going to merge PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus into this big thing and be like, hey, this is our big thing from now on. It's got tiers. It's got a whole bunch of stuff. Anyway, they're not going to do what Microsoft does and put all their like day one, exclusives on at day one. You're not going to play God of War on this thing like without paying $60. They make too much money off their exclusives for that. But what they will do is synergize this thing with games as a service cuz that's like the perfect like compatibility thing and destiny 2 is already free to play so it's easy then to, to imagine it going on this thing where like maybe instead of paying for season pass or paying for new expansions you just pay for Spartacus and then you get access to all things destiny or mm-hmm. maybe you get special perks if you're like an elite tier member of this Spartacus program and so i imagine that like between that and future games as a service stuff we're going to see a lot of that compatible with sony's Sony Spartacus thing as they try to take on Xbox Game Pass. So I think that's one of the kind of prime drivers behind this acquisition. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Love to have more subscriptions in my life that I've had that's to really, figure out with or not I need to really buy. What we, what that's really what I so need. It's so exciting. It's so exciting. Can't yep. wait.
0: <laughs> Cannot wait. Well, yeah, we'll see how that shakes out, just like all of these these acquisitions. But um, speaking of games as a service, and unlikely games as a service, this actually does kind of transition us to the game that we're talking about today, which is the first super big AAA game of 2022, which is the year that it is. I keep reminding myself that because it doesn't feel like it's 2022, but it is, and it is in fact now <laughs> officially. We're recording this a little earlier than we publish, February of 2022, which is the month that we've all been sort of dreading and being excited about in equal measure. <laughs> for dreading. Quite a while I
2: have not been dreading this month. I, I dreading
0: will... the time management challenge that it will that it will uh, that it will sure. propose. But. uh, but no, of course, looking forward to these games. And I was excited about this one. So we're talking about Dying Light 2. Dying Light 2 Stay Human. And um, again, I've got a little recap here. This is the series background uh, before we talk about this game that we've all been playing. So here we go. Dying Light 2 Stay Human is a new first person parkour action RPG platformer from the Polish (laughs) studio Techland. It's their follow up to 2015's Dying Light, which itself was a spiritual successor, spiritual successor, ding ding ding, Mm -hmm. to their flawed but interesting 2011 zombie game Dead Island. Dying Light was an unexpectedly enduring hit to the point that it could be described as a hybrid of standalone game and game-as-a-service. From 2015 right up until now, Techland kept adding both free updates and paid expansions to Dying Light, which at this point features a pretty hefty amount of both single-player and online co-op content. The world of Dying Light will be familiar to anyone who's ever played a zombie game or watched a zombie movie, the first game took place within the confines of an infected city that was quarantined from an otherwise healthy outside world, the sequel, Dying Light 2 is set 20 years later. The infection has spread, killing most of humanity and plunging the world into a new dark age. Dying Light 2 tells the story of Aiden, a professional video game protagonist, as he makes his way (laughs) through the city of Villador, collecting loot, picking locks, unlocking new abilities, and jumping off lots of rooftops. As he searches for his long-lost sister, Mia, Aiden forms alliances with the two main factions vying for control of the city— the normal people and the cops and occasionally makes decisions that at least ostensibly affect the flow of the story. The game is out this Friday, February 4th on PC and consoles, including last gen consoles and a cloud version on Nintendo Switch. All three of us have been playing early review codes provided by Techland. Maddie and I have been playing on PC. Jason's on PS5. I've played around 30 hours. I'm gonna kind of the final act of the story. I've done a lot of side stuff, unlocked pretty much every ability. Maddie's played like 11 hours, is near the end of the first act in the first ma- major area. Jason's played a little less, but he's a Around the same place. And just a note that the game's co op servers just went live on the day that we are recording, so none of us has had a chance to play co op. All bad. right. Um, yeah. The Switch version actually got delayed. I don't know if you want to throw something in there. Okay, but. let's note that then. The Switch version has been delayed. So I've played more than the two of you, but I'm very curious what the two of you think, especially because I'm pretty familiar with this series. I played a lot of the first right. game, and this is an introduction to it for the two of you. So, uh, Maddie, why don't you go first? What do you think of uh, Dying Light 2?
1: Sure. So I went into this game knowing absolutely nothing about it, which was delightful because I ended up loving it and I didn't expect that Hmm. at all. I, as everyone knows, really enjoy melee combat in games. (laughs) I talked about (laughs) wielding an axe (laughs) in Dark Souls many, many a time, getting up really close to people and hitting them in the face. I love to do that. The the first Borderlands had a character whose entire power was punching. I think his name was Brick. He was my fave. Um, And that is this game. So I started playing (laughs) this game. Um, while chatting on on Discord voice with some friends who are also playing single-player games. As I've said, this is just how I play games now. And I kept periodically saying aloud, when am I going to get a gun? And people <laughs> were mm. making fun of me because they were acting like I was saying that about my real life. But <laughs> no, I I was looking for a gun in this game because I kept finding, you know, I'd find a bat, I'd find a wrench, I'd find a table leg, you know, different stuff to bob zombies on the head. And I'm learning about the parkour. I'm learning about all these melee fight mechanics, pretty enjoyable, pretty fun. And then... I think it was you, Kirk, who told me afterwards there are no guns in this entire first-person zombie video Pretty game. Pretty much no, Which yeah. is shocking for a zombie game. Mm-hmm. Like, that is wild that there's no guns at all. You There's no headshots. Yeah, it's a whole That's thing. not what you're supposed to be doing. You're just bopping them. You're just yep. running around from rooftop to rooftop, plonking those zombies or mm-hmm. slicing them in half with a big hacksaw that you may have found (laughs) and weapons deteriorate so you don't get too attached and the parkour feels freaking great i could go on and on about that russian techno plays while you leap across the rooftops i haven't mentioned the story at all because there's absolutely nothing to say about it whatsoever (laughs) this game is great i love it i could live in it for 500 hours that's my take on it
0: uh jason how about you
2: Okay, so first of all, it is hilarious that this game is descended from Dead Island because Dead Island is such a funny game that will be forever known for mm-hmm. that stupid cinematic trailer that was released yeah. that was like this whole emotional short story. We'll link it in the show notes that had yeah. nothing to do with the I'll game. will never forget it.
1: I mean, you call it stupid, but to clarify at the time, people thought this was the height of cinema. Like, people I mean, thought it, this was the it coolest It is a
0: fairly incredible trailer, trailer because we're still talking about it. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. I minutes. say it's
2: stupid, I say it's stupid because it turned out it was just a marketing gimmick right, had right. nothing to do with the game. And mm-hmm. that's that's why I call it stupid. No, it was a great trailer. Um, yeah. And then it turned out, this, this game just had, like, one marketing stumble after another. There was, like, a whole, like, torso controversy. It's just funny, funny lineage, because that game was so such a an early example of like the misleading consumers um, yeah, internet, internet rebellion. Um, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm digging it. Um, I have stopped playing and probably will not return because I have to go and hunt robot dinosaurs. But um, and so, actually, in some ways, I think that's relevant because it's really Dying Light Two is really coming out at the worst possible time. Like if it had come out even a month earlier, I might be sticking with it. And I imagine that's the case for a lot of a lot of listeners out there who are trying to figure out what they want to play in February and are like, mm-hmm. man, can I really d- dig into Dying Light Two if Horizon and Elden Ring are both on the way? um that said I really enjoy it too and I enjoy the parkour and r- running around and clubbing things and making them just like you said Maddie like just doing the thwack thing and the zombie I actually thought the combat was pretty boring at first and then I got and then and then it shows you gradually like how to parkour over enemies and yep. flip kick into other them. enemies and stuff <laughs> yeah. um I find, actually, maybe this is a controversial opinion for you guys, but I find that this game really suffers from being first person, and if it was third person, I think I would enjoy it a lot more, um, both because like the field of vision is really weak and like not ideal for a game like Can this. Can you not and adjust because- that on PS5? um maybe you can i don't know i mean just in general not having peripheral vision which is just something that first person games don't offer well but more importantly i want to be able to see the parkour like i want to see my character doing the parkour instead of just like seeing my head like move up and down and get dizzy and like stumble around as i'm climbing things and sometimes not know what's going on so i don't know maybe that's just a personal taste thing but yeah, so I guess I would say I, I don't love it, but I have enjoyed and I'm not probably not gonna play anymore, but I've enjoyed the 10 or so hours I've spent with the game quite a bit. Um yeah. Except for like the writing and story, which I just started skipping after a while. Oh, oof. Yeah.
1: yeah, I I get what you're saying about first person and parkour, although I don't agree. I feel like it's the only time in my life that I've thought it worked. And I say this as a person who tried Mirror's Edge and never completed it because I would either get motion sick or just be too, find it too difficult at various points because that is a famous first person parkour game and it's hard. I, Uh, You have to, like, balance out landing. I remember that being hard. Like, you have to hit a button to land safely in that game, among other things. It's been years, but I remember some challenges. This game is just there's one button to jump or climb, and it's just the parkour button. (laughs) And you just go up to stuff, and you hit the parkour button while shouting parkour alone in your office. (laughs) And you just parkour on on stuff. Or on Discord, you just
2: scream it at your friends.
1: I just, I don't know. It feels like it works. And I... I guess it's something about the run speed. For whatever reason, it's not making me motion sick. It feels correct to me most of the time. Fall damage, if there is any, I haven't really noticed it being a significant problem for me. I... I, not I'm not jumping off of windmills or whatever but if I if I jump off a fairly significant height I'm usually still fine so I'm I'm kind of superheroic Aiden is a very good video game protagonist he can he can withstand <laughs> quite a bit but yeah I I'm really digging the parkour a lot more than I thought I would and I haven't started Horizon yet but having just watched all those uncharted cutscenes and having just played Lost Legacy I am very familiar with the rote tightly controlled climbing that will also be on offer in Horizon. And I'm kind of not looking forward to it because I'm Mm -hmm. digging the climbing so much in Dying Light 2.
0: Yeah, having just played Uncharted, that's also been a really big point of comparison for me is just how good the platforming is in Dying Light 2. So, okay, so I've played like 30 hours of this game. I've played a ton of it. I've unlocked a ton of stuff. And I played a lot of the first game and the expansion. I really like this game. I think it's really fun. I describe this way to somebody that the game starts out where the question you ask is, can I do this? where you're looking at a building and you're like, can I get up to the roof? And you're looking at a zombie and you're like, can I kill that zombie? And then as it goes, it leans more away from that and more toward how awesomely can I do this? And so the upgrades in this game are really good, which was true of the first game too. It starts out fun. It's so about just like running and jumping and you're constantly making these decisions. Do I have enough stamina to climb that wall? Mm -hmm. Is that too high for me to jump? Oh, can I get over to, is there a mattress down there that I can land on? Is there a rope? Can I get through these zombies? You're always making these decisions, which is... Is very different from a game like Uncharted where you're like... All right, There's one like, way to go. They're going to go forward for a while. Boards. I'm going to have a sip of my drink while they <laughs> climb the cliff. Um, just very, very different kind of game. Um, this game makes so many smart changes from the first game... And eventually, like, the decisions that you're making and the the way that the parkour opens up, it's so cool. Like, I want to provide a dispatch to you both from 30 hours into the game because it really takes a while until you unlock, you know, all of the moves, the, the um, parkour moves that you have. I should explain how this works. As you level up, there's kind of a parkour skill tree and a combat skill tree. They seem pretty separate at first though and I really focused on parkour because that's the heart of the game and that's the most fun stuff. So you get the ability to wall run. You unlock that pretty late like kind of later on and then you get this ability to wall run and go up a wall. So and then you can chain together your wall runs. So it's like you can go even farther or you can land from a higher height or you can slide and then you can jump out of your slide and then you can do a boost off of certain things and The more you unlock, the more you just become like this kind of versatile, really fast kind of race car that shoots across the roofs. You also get two, I guess it's just two things. You get a paraglider at the sort of midpoint of the game or like at the end of the first third, you get a Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild style paraglider that you can use anywhere. So suddenly the second area of the game is like full on skyscrapers. You're so high up and doing parkour in ways that this game like makes me that like where your whole body clenches up and I really get like vertigo and it's so like exciting and freaky when you jump. Really good at that. And you're it, th- none of this stuff was in the first game. There weren't skyscrapers in the first game. And you have a paraglider. So if you fall, you can just pop it open and like just glide across the whole map like to anywhere else. And it opens up all these possibilities. And then eventually you also get a grappling hook. This is very much um, we we're in the age of the grappling hook. We are. The grappling hook in this game is a little nerfed compared to the first game. In the first game, it was like the halo grappling hook where anything you hit with the grappling hook, it would just pull you straight to it. In this game, you have to use it more like a real grappling hook, so you can only kind of attach it to things above you. But because there are skyscrapers everywhere, you can, like, Spider-Man your way through the city, and it works. And you really feel like your first-person Spider-Man once you get it unlocked. You just unlock it very far into the game. So anyways, once you have all that stuff unlocked even combat becomes like parkour because you can use the grappling hook to like hit a dude and it pulls him toward you. And as he's flying toward you, you move toward him and hit the jump button and it does the thing you were talking about, Jason, where you can pogo off of him and like kick someone else. So pretty soon combat or you get a move where you like every time you shoot a bow in the air, there are bows and bows and arrows in this game. It goes into slow-mo. So it's like combat almost becomes parkour too. And it really, I mean, it's like really pretty amazingly designed all of that stuff just the basic movement and combat is really really fun and kind of becomes more fun as you play though I would say it's pretty fun at the beginning too even though the game does have a slow start I don't know I can see people complaining about the start it kind of takes a little bit to get going
1: yeah, it's a few hours, but I, I started having fun right away. I think if you don't already like melee combat and getting really up close to a big bloody zombie face, like if that mm-hmm. freaks you out, you, you are going to have a bad time.
0: <laughs> yes, there's <laughs> a lot of that in this game.
1: But if you think that's fun and cool and uh, inspirational and just... Shows you something about yourself and staying human, whatever that means. Then you're gonna, yeah. you're gonna love. Dying well, you life
0: literally too. have to stay human. You do. Well, there is that is, and that's a kind of a new aspect to this game. So there are all these little changes they made compared to the first game that I always think are interesting with series like this. One of them is the fact that you're infected in this game, and you're infected in the first game too. I think your character's name is Kyle in the first game, and he's Aiden. <laughs> oh, you're a different guy?
1: Oh, yeah. oh. I just yeah, assumed I was Aiden because no, I was continuing Aiden's story. But no, this is all new. Wow.
2: Do you think Dying Light Three will bring in Chad and maybe right. I, he'll, he'll finally, finally three and make naked start I, I a Frat House together? It's
1: <laughs> unintentionally hilarious that I thought this was a continuation of Aiden's story, like Because he has such a rich backstory and like so much right, mystery. Right. Like what am I even saying? Like there's nothing to know. Like he has a sister. Yeah. That's I mean, it.
0: God, the flashbacks with his sister are some two thousand and eight ass video games.
1: They are <laughs> versus... rough. I don't like them <laughs> no. I mean they're, they're whatever but that's yeah. one of the that's reasons that I kind of stopped
2: playing yeah I mean the story stuff well we could get into that Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, Kirk it's interesting Kirk uh, what do you think of like the game design choice to make it so so much of the game just takes so many hours to get yeah. into before it's enjoyable because that's really interesting it's like as a designer you're kind of caught between that tension of like wanting to like ramp up and get all the skills that you collect over time because you feel like you're getting more powerful over time, but at the same time, if it's not as fun as it could be at the outset, what do you do? You know,
0: so my thought on that is, and it ties in with also some of these changes that I think are so interesting that they made from the first game. It feels like a sequel to a very successful game because Dying Light was very successful and did very well for Techland, and it's kind of cool that they became this studio that just had this game. It was this just sleeper hit. It just kept doing well because it's really fun. I mean, I've played it; it was a great game. And it has this just core audience. It's it's a big meaty cheeseburger of a game with like a your just, name it's is very Kyle. immersive. Your name is Kyle, your name is Aiden, <laughs> you know, you're just going around doing side quests. Definitely a cheeseburger. What makes something a cheeseburger of a game? Just it's like big and rich and it just has all the meat and cheese. It's
1: all over your face. You gotta eat yeah. it over the sink or like with a bunch of napkins. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: It's just uh-huh. it is like it's a big ass game. There's a ton in it to do, and it just kind of has that quality to it and it's also kind of lunk-headed in this way like I think that it ties in with the writing too it's just sort of like it's not it's not super smart it's just like here's a bunch of stuff and also it's super fun so like have a good time and that's basically the game's approach and I think there's a confidence in the pacing where they're like the people who are going to play this game and we know there are millions of them because they millions of people played our first game they're going to play and they're going to keep they're going to have fun the whole time like unlocking stuff and we don't want to give you too much too early on and it's like you're always unlocking new stuff and that's kind of a cool thing to play 30 hours and like i got the or the grappling hook like 25 hours into the game or something
1: that's wild
0: and then when i got it it was really cool because i was like yes i have this new cool thing it was i was still having that feeling of you know a new way to have fun with the game Mm -hmm. which is i think confident and cool i think the only people who would really complain about the pacing of it would be people who are like on a time crunch.
1: Yeah, who might be thinking to themselves, I need to play Horizon after this and then Elden Ring for my job. Those people, exactly. you mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But not the people who are just excited for Dying Light 2 and only care about that. I mean, those people. And
2: there are a lot of those people. I mean, Kirk, you're also there are also players out there who maybe have more money than they do time, and so they're not trying to choose, they're trying to choose what's going to fill their time this month.
0: Right, True. I think, I, I get that, but I think that the important distinction with this game is is that I think it is very fun from pretty much the drop. Like, it's cool at the beginning. It's fun. It's, it's challenging. It's scary. It's like a, a thrill. And then it just gets more elaborate, and you're always kind of getting new stuff that makes it even more fun. And at the point I'm at now, I'm like, good lord! Like, I'm like flying around the city doing all this cool shit, and I'm like, this is awesome. But the whole path to get there was fun and something that I would easily recommend especially Mm -hmm. anybody who liked the first game there's a couple changes that I think are interesting that I want to just shout out to anybody who played the first game and is curious what might be changed One is, so you're infected now and there's this whole new system at night. In the first game, I never went out at night because it was like there were these um, volatile zombies who were in the sequel, but they're very rare and they're super strong and hard to kill. And if they get you, you're pretty dead. And they're just kind of everywhere in the first game. And I was kind of a chicken about night and I just only played during the day and didn't really (laughs) go out. This game incentivizes going out at night way better. It's more of just a stealth thing. You have to stay to the rooftops, but it's not as threatening. And you have a countdown time Now, where you have to get into UV light before the timer hits zero or your infection will take over and you'll become a zombie. So you have all these ways of mitigating it. Eventually, it's not even a thing. Like for me now, I have all these items I can take that just reset it and it just doesn't matter. But for a Mm -hmm. while, it's cool. And it almost gives it a like roguelike kind of feel when you go out at night. And some, you know, buildings you can only explore at night. So they do a good job of sort of incentivizing nighttime Um, And I think uh, the guns thing, I just want to shout out the fact that I think this is really cool and I kind of realized this. There are no guns in this game, which is a remarkable difference from the first game, which did have guns. And there's even a narrative justification, which is cool. In the first game, it was set right as this was happening. So, of course, the military was like all around this quarantine city you were in. There were guns everywhere. And the guns sucked. Like when you had a really powerful gun, you could just like shoot zombies from far away and cheese bosses really easily. In this game in the lore it's like well they ran out of ammo there's no guns anymore because they got rid of them in this city and then when there were guns left they ran eventually ran out of ammo that's sort of explained in side quests so there's just no guns so you get a bow and arrow and even the bow and arrow is like overpowered <laughs> later in the game but you get a bow and arrow and that's it and like enemies don't have guns and really it's just a melee game and i think that's smart and i also think it's cool that the three big games that are coming out in february are all not gun games they're all oh. games they've got combat they've got bows mm-hmm. and arrows Aloy, you know, I guess in the first Horizon, she would get those like big, heavy guns. Yeah, I mean, she could I did my up, damnedest
1: like... to have a gun for Aloy. I basically treated that thing like a shotgun every chance right. I possibly could get. <laughs> right. yeah, but you're right. But, Technically, you know, it wasn't a not
0: shotgun. Not a gun game, you know. Yeah, not really yeah. a gun game. That's kind of cool. Like, it's sort of nice. Uh, it but, is. But that's true. Well,
2: a plot twist Elden Ring actually turns into a <laughs> sci-fi shooter. <teaser. laughs> It's
0: like, chick, chick, time, to, time to regulate. I mean, I don't know.
1: Bloodborne has a gun in it. It's not like yeah, completely impossible yeah, to true. imagine a FromSoft game with a gun. There is one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, if that counts.
1: Dying Light is so awesome. I feel like it would easily be one of my favorite games if the story were any good at all. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's talk about I it a just... little bit.
0: Let's talk about Because they make a big deal out of it and they clearly really care about the story. Like it's, Do they?
1: It... Well, the game
0: does. The game takes
1: <laughs> the, the game narrative okay. very
2: seriously. Yeah. That's what it's I mean. spend so much time on the story.
1: There's a lot of it.
2: There's so much of it. There's so many playable flashbacks. It's like yeah. so dreary. It's
1: kind of like a buffet advertising how many <laughs> options there are. That's how I would yeah. perceive the marketing of this game's story. It's like yeah. you'll have as much flavorless mac and cheese as you could possibly stand to eat in one day for just $10. And it's like, wow, you might feel kind of sick but later. But you get so
2: much of it. You can pile your plate with mashed potatoes. Yeah, yeah
1: it is bland. And I... It's too bad. And it also means, though, that any time I run into a story element that I think is good, I'm so excited by it. And I'm like, oh, I really hope they do something with this. And then so, yeah. So I'll there. say
0: this for the story. It's weakest at the start. Yeah. There's way... Those flashbacks pretty much stop happening, like, after the first Phew. act. Also, the two <laughs> factions in the first half are both awful. Like, I, the cop... The fascist cop jerks suck, obviously. But then also the, like nice people are cool but then the people you're working with are real yeah. assholes and it's kind of like i think
1: you're supposed to think they're both bad because you know both sides are bad of course but <laughs> i thought
0: everyone was just supposed to be a jerk in this game and that was the i think they point. are yeah so it's... well no because so mm. just now that i've played farther i will say in the second act there's way there's several better characters on okay. those of both factions really um They're the the people in charge of the cops are still like fascist cops and you learn more about them. And it's like their whole culture sucks. Like it's like it really is like if you steal, you lose a hand. If you lie, you're whipped in the public square. Like they're really like, yeah, they're full on (laughs) that thing. But there are some (laughs) characters over there that are, you know, they're at least interesting. Like they seem like people. They're not just these kind of wooden archetypes like in the first part. And there's just more interesting characters in the sort of just regular civilian side. Plus, that's Mm -hmm. where Rosario Dawson's character turns up. By the way, funny side note, when I was playing this game, I was convinced that Troy Baker was voicing the protagonist because he's (laughs) such a Troy Baker type, but it's not him. It's this other guy. And meanwhile, I was like, oh, who'd they get to play this Rosario Dawson type who turns up and is actually a main character? And then I realized, like, I was like, this actually sounds like it's Rosario Dawson. And then I looked and it is, in fact... Um, her she's actually her character is cool she's kind of like the ultimate badass chick you know who becomes sure. your good friend the
1: Ahsoka Tano if you will yeah
0: very much but <laughs> I will say she is too good for the material they're giving her, but she's fully, she's a good actor and she's like delivering her lines and like really she carries a lot of the story. She's a major character and she's good. So like at this point in the story where I am, which is a lot farther, it's I'm, I'm not like super invested. It's all a little bit just like, oh, there's factions, they're each trying to whatever, control the city, who really cares? Like mm-hmm. it's not even on the level of like Fallout or something that's like yeah. weird, but kind of works. It's it's mostly blah, but it's it's. Much better as it goes. It's at least just like I'm kind of into it. And then there have been some story missions, in particular one where you climb a skyscraper that are like knockout great. Like where it's just the story's cool. It's fun. It's campy. It's like aliens one minute, and then you're outside of this building and people are on your radio being like, "What are you doing, you madman?" And you're like swinging around this insane skyscraper, and it's like pretty cool. So it, it the story kind of. Gets better as it goes.
1: On the factions tip, I was looking into them today just because I was curious about whether it mattered which faction you picked. Of course, I didn't choose the fascist cops. Yeah,
0: because who I- I would? I can't
1: imagine why that didn't resonate with me, but I didn't choose them. And I found an article, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the pre it was a preview somewhere that was presupposing that the cops were easier and that they had better weapons. And I just wanted to say if that's true, if anyone is pl- plays Dying Light 2 and actually chooses the cops, I assume almost no one is. None of my coworkers who are playing did, so I can't verify this. I do think that would be very f- interesting if they were like actually easy mode is to go with the cops because they give you like all the resources and and like all the yeah. shit you don't normally have and the hard mode is to go with the hard scrabble survivors who have shittier weapons and like less stuff I just don't feel like I know anyone who's gonna do that so I don't think I'm right. ever gonna be able to find out if that's true so
0: from from what I've played I don't think that's the case they might have slightly better weapons in their store but it's essentially the same and the thing that's different is when you assign there's a big map in this game yeah. with a bunch of regions. Then and each region, you can region...
1: Like, assign territory to whatever faction yes. you've joined.
0: So- which is and there's a fun process because it's either a power like a power station or a water station and they're both these like cool platforming puzzle platforming things. There's a lot of these cool little interior areas. The metro stations are this way too. We have to turn on generators around this weird underground like platforming challenge with like poison ground where you're jumping around and climbing on the wall. There's a lot of that kind of Assassin's Creed style stuff. But yeah, so you assign what the region once you unlock the power station and turn on the power and you can give it to either the PKs they're called the peacekeepers who are the cops or like what do they call the bizarre people they're like the normies the like just the normal people which it is weird and narratively weird that you would ever go with the cops because just yeah. time and again like Everyone like is nobody telling you.
1: likes them, even no, though Rosario main cop... Dawson is like fuck
0: the cops, yeah. like, side And I feel with like the guys. main
1: cop, I'm trying to remember what his name is. I want to say it's Aiden, but that's the it's main, Ator. main character's name. Ator he's Aiden, too. A Tor, okay. Yeah. So there's Aiden <laughs> and A I feel like A also hates himself in a weird way. Like, anytime you talk yeah. to him, he's like, Yeah, I'm sorry, like, I'm a cop and like we're assholes, and I can see why you wouldn't trust me. But like, have you considered trusting me? And I'm just like, Dude, you could quit, like, you could leave all this behind like coming yeah they're, out of they're a
0: weird <laughs> faction and he's middle management there's like other people above him who there's like one guy who doesn't even like the pk and is sort of just it's all kind of dumb on that side of it but when you assign the faction uh when you assign the territory to a faction if you assign more territories to a faction you unlock better perks and the survivor side of it it gets you like better zip lines and like better vents for your paraglider but if you do the the PK, the peacekeepers, the cops, it's like better traps on stuff are set up. And then eventually you get like a crossbow that I don't know that you can get any other way. So mm-hmm. you do get like this one weapon. But whatever, you get a bow. It's the same difference. Who cares? Like I'm, I, I'm not sure it really makes a difference. But that's my mm-hmm. sense. And then there are some narrative branches I don't. I can't really say how big of a difference they make. But I will say, like, I've really pissed off the cops at this point because I keep siding against them. And I can still do all the side quests in their base and, like you know still go there like it's not like they're attacking me on the street so it's That's not so
1: funny yeah. talk about a fantasy like you've just thoroughly screwed over yes. the cops at every turn <laughs> and yet you can still walk into all their bases and they're yep. like hey Aiden right. here's this troublemaker again like I guess we'll give him another mission he yeah. won't do it and he will tell our adversaries about it but <laughs> mm-hmm. oh well
2: it's funny you would think that people would have learned from Skyrim where there's a giant civil war going on and you can side with either side and then happily like go into the territory of either side no matter what, no matter which side <laughs> you're helping fight for, you just see everybody.
1: Yeah, don't um, they know you're a video game protagonist? Shouldn't they know not to trust the yeah, damn thing you say?
2: <laughs> games just have not really, I don't know, adjusted since then. It's a
0: tough challenge. Because like you're you're it's if the alternative is walling off a bunch of stuff for people and being like, well, you right, can't get all these the side problem. quests. Like
1: or you have to play it twice to see the entire game, which is annoying for a different reason. Yeah. And
0: you kind of do because or like if there's there's some stuff I think you can't get on a single playthrough just because like some upgrades, but it's pretty minor because, again, like this is meant to be very pleasing and to just give you all the stuff. And, mm-hmm. and in the end, I would prefer it to be that than to be a game where they're like, ha, surprise, like you can't access half the map now and you'll have to play it again because, <laughs> you know, it makes narrative mm-hmm. sense. As
1: a cop, enjoy <laughs> your punishment, like, peasant. Right.
0: <laughs> You'll have to be a cop because you made the morally uh, better decision.
2: Can we talk about how dreary it looks? I think one of the other reasons it that I'm dreary. a little down on it is that, like, walking around, everything looks the same. Everything is incredibly dull. And maybe, Kirk, maybe this also gets better in 20 hours in, just like everything else. I'm but... sure
1: compared to Horizon, like, Horizon's probably like a Lisa Frank game. I don't know. I haven't booted it up yet, but it's, <laughs> it probably looks great. There's probably beautiful waterfalls. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, I can't
2: really talk about Horizon yet. In a couple weeks, I'll talk about that. But, like, a lot of games look gorgeous. And, like, this game I'm just playing and everything is just so ugly and dreary and brown and muddy. And um, the zombies just look awful. And I'm just like, man, I don't really want to spend a ton of time in mm-hmm. this world yeah they should have made okay. the zombies
1: hotter that's a good point exactly
0: yeah. we need attractive <laughs> zombies
1: they look so ragged and unhealthy
0: <laughs> so i'm not going to tell you that it, that the aesthetics get more exciting as you go like i do think this game is kind of aesthetically generic i don't think it's bad looking like i think visually it's it's pretty remarkable in some ways like it just in terms of fidelity and like the the, the movement sure
2: that's not, i'm talking about our direction not mm-hmm. not graphical
0: fidelity the first game was actually more distinct looking it was set in the city of haran which was a little more it was kind of based on the favelas i think they said of rio even though it was set in the middle east but it just had a little bit more personality like it seemed like a place like it was kind of a favela style you know a lot of um sort of put together corrugated metal and and buildings like stacked on top of one another and on stilts and stuff and it just had this a sort of energy where this city um is is located in Europe somewhere, and it just sort of has a generic European vibe. It's not terrible, but, you know, once you get downtown, it's like, oh, now it's just a city. Like, there's kind of skyscrapers, and all right. And, like, it's never that remarkable-looking, even though I find the feeling of moving through it and the, you know, the parkour and, like, the the motion and the way that it looks as I move to be really cool. I do want to shout out also, this is a thing to listen for, anybody playing this. Um, Maddie, you mentioned the techno music that plays yeah At the the best moments of this game are always underscored by music it 'll start and it layers. They do a cool interactive music thing and i want to I want to call this out for people so they can listen for it. They do this thing where you 're running and it 's like playing the music dun, 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 dun. and then you jump, and the score dynamically adds a high pass filter so mm-hmm. like that allows it basically cuts out the low frequencies and just the high frequencies are coming through, which is a common dj trick, but it does this thing where like as you're in the air and moving through the air, all the bass drops out and it becomes really tinny. And then as you land, it like slams back down to the full EQ and it's really fucking cool.
1: Yeah the bass drops as you drop yeah. it's great it's perfect i they do of course all the classic audio stuff where when zombies are chasing you you like have a certain pitch that you hear that like makes mm-hmm. you feel stressed out and i mean that's all very effective it's like your spidey sense goes off and yeah. you know that you're in danger i don't know i it really works for me i just like running around to techno i guess i It's just something about it. It's a
0: fun thing to do. And yeah, but I agree, Jason, and I think Maddie, you also were saying this. Yeah,
1: it's pretty brown.
0: The visual aesthetic is not on the same level as the gameplay design and the audiovisual or the audio aesthetic, I
1: guess. Mm -hmm. Imagine if Cyberpunk had felt this cool, though. Like, that would have been so sick. yeah, like, like
0: that's right. What
1: could have been, you know? What could have been?
2: Maybe it will.
1: Right, yeah. As soon as they update it, it's going to feel as
2: good (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: They're pretty far.
1: Sorry for laughing. I know they're really working hard. I, yeah, I feel like, for them. Um, a lot yeah, of
2: crossover yeah. actually in staff because they're both yeah. teams made in Poland. I so. mean, mm-hmm. I
1: feel like there is kind of a similar vibe that is hard to articulate. Maybe it's just an unspoken like, cultural thing that I don't know about because I'm not Eastern European. But there is something about just the way that the world is set up that feels... Reminds me of cyberpunk, but in a tragic way where I'm like, man, everything about this feels so good. And in cyberpunk, I... Just felt like I was uh, made out of rubber and walking wrong and it was it was sad
2: but, but way better writing and storytelling in cyberpunk I will say and more
0: interesting side quests and 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 in the witcher you can there is some sort of overlap in the sort of tone and then just sort of the, the general mm-hmm. kind of well-meaning but lunk-headed way of <laughs> writing characters I guess but then in the end yeah this game to me is just such an it's such an underlining of gameplay being king like for this kind yeah. of a game it's like mm-hmm. this game is fun as hell you. it gets more and more fun the more you play it and in the end it's like i have played 30 hours of it i didn't you know i didn't plan to do that necessarily even though i knew i liked the first one and i like really had a great time mm. playing it so like they nailed that core thing you heard
1: it here first kirk hates story and he loves games <laughs> he's <Yep>. hardcore <sighs> only and that's
0: me i'm a true gamer <laughs> 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 all right well dying light 2 pretty fun game Let's take a break and come back for one more thing. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. Our comedy podcast, Jordan, Jesse, Go! just celebrated its 15th anniversary. It was a couple months ago, but we forgot. Uh, Yeah, completely. Our, Our silly show is 15 years old. That makes it old enough to get its learner's permit. And almost old enough to get the talk. Wow, I hope you got the talk before then. A lot of things have changed in 15 years. Our show's not one of them. We're never changing and you can't make us. Jordan, Jesse, go the same forever at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. Prepare yourself for the greatest pro wrestling podcast spectacular known as Tides and Fights. A fact-dropping audio showcase that helps you understand the
2: world of pro wrestling with a lot of love and no toxic masculinity. Featuring host Daniel Radford.
1: Time to kick butt and chew gum. And I'm all out of
2: butts. Lindsay Cal.
1: I'm a brutal Brit and my fists were made to punch and hit.
2: And how
1: lovely! I was
2: doing the voiceover this whole time
1: hear us talk about pro wrestling's greatest triumphs and failures and make fun of its weekly absurdities on the perfect wrestling podcast Tights
2: and fights every saturday 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 on maximum fun
0: all right and we're back for one more thing uh jason why don't you go first what's your one more thing
2: all right, this week I do not have an NFL story because uh, mm. the playoffs this weekend were fun, but nothing crazy like last week. Instead, the book that I read that I wanted to talk about last week, which is a book called The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osmond. And... um it's kind of it's a book that kind of reminded me of um, uh, 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 Only Murders in the Building, the show we were all talking about the other day. Mm. Yes. So this is a book. It's a fun English mystery novel. It is about a retirement community and a group of four elderly people within that community who make it their hobby to solve murders. Oh, nice. um, And uh, then a murder happens within their community and they have to solve that. So kind Mm. of a classic premise of these people who are like fish out of water and then they get involved with cops and all sorts of. Interesting and seedy characters, and it's just a phenomenal story, Um largely because it stars these four elderly people who just like are under under um, appreciated at every turn. Or like people people look at them and, and um, mm-hmm. underestimate uh, them. Uh, underestimate them. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. They are yeah. underestimated at every turn, and people look at them and just think that they're incompetent because they're old people and really <gasps> classic Angela like, Lansbury um, murder. <laughs> she wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is very murder. She wrote Um one of these women. Uh, this woman named Elizabeth is just incredible she's um I don't know if this is a spoiler to say, but she's she's more, she's more very capable because of her career. I won't say what it okay. was, but um, she's very, extremely capable at pulling off these devious schemes and plots and finding ways to solve the mystery. I mean,
1: her former career, presumably. If she's yeah, 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 before she yeah, yeah. went to the retirement, her it.
2: former career. Um, and she is a great, great protagonist. And uh, I found out at the end of the book that it's, like it's already become a franchise and they're working on a new one. Uh, the, or the author has already written a new one or or just published a new one, or something like that. So um, pretty good stuff. Uh, highly recommend it. Once again, called The Thursday Murder Club nice. by yeah, Richard
0: Orman. Or Richard Osman. Yeah, that sounds like it could be another one that becomes a TV show or a movie. There's that new Apple show, The After Party, and now there's yeah. and there's like only murders in the building. I feel like murder mysteries are are going to be very hot for the next few years.
2: Yeah, The Man Who Died Twice is the sequel to this, and it came out in September, so i got to go buy it.
0: How is there not already a book called The Man Who Died Twice? Yeah, that's,
1: what? That's no How question. is that feels familiar? Like that feels like a, a Nancy classic. Drew book from like the sixties. It sounds
0: like a James Bond. It sounds like a, a James bit. Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Does yeah, sound kind that. of bondish. All right. Well I'm gonna go next because mine is pretty quick, but it's just a thing I've been doing for the last little while that I wanted to, to give a little PSA about. And that is, I've been roasting my own coffee.
1: Right on. And
0: this is not a TV show, and it's not a video game, but it is something worth thinking about doing. People are going to see roasting coffee in the show notes, and they're going to be like, think it's oh, a game. What, what, oh. New, what new TV show it is that? Be. We play games about unpacking boxes and power That's washing your driveway. <laughs> they
1: could make a yeah. coffee roasting I did have game. unpacking as my one more thing, and I had to specify it was a game. Yeah. Coffee
0: roasting game. Um, I'm sure there's been a coffee roasting mini game somewhere there in should something. Be.
1: That is soothcore, as you would yeah. say. Right? It's really the kind of thing
0: you'd have to do in, like, Grand Theft Auto. You know how they always do random stuff in <laughs> Grand Theft Auto?
1: Well, there's hot coffee. There's yeah. hot
0: coffee. It's sort of different. <laughs> right. So, yeah, okay. very different. So, roasting your own coffee. So, I like coffee. I drink coffee every morning. And... Um, have over the years sort of accumulated mostly my brother-in-law is a fantastic like coffee expert who like is super into it and has been into it for years and he roasts his own coffee and I was like it's nice roaster and whenever I visit the coffee he makes is always like so good I drink it and I'm just like this is what coffee is supposed to taste like it's amazing And over the years, they've like, for Christmas, they got me a nice coffee machine. So I've kind of got pretty good, a good grinder. And, you know, so I was like getting serious about it. Okay, I'm going to really measure out my ratios because the coffee to water ratio is important. I'm going to figure this all out. And I kept being not that happy with my coffee. And in the end, what it comes down to is you can have the best coffee machine in the world and the best grinder and do everything right. If you're making coffee that you bought at the store, you're pretty much making stale coffee. If you bought it at the grocery store, it was probably roasted like a month ago at best or maybe you're just buying stuff that like who knows like Starbucks coffee beans um so the key is to roast your own coffee because the most important thing is the freshness of the roast. So started looking into it, figuring out how to do it. And it's not hard at all. And it's actually really inexpensive in total as well. You can do it. You can get a like popcorn popper and turn off the safety and just roast coffee beans in a popcorn popper. I tried that. It was kind of messy. So I did get a coffee roaster, which was a couple hundred bucks. But in less than a year, I will save that much money in coffee because buying, you order your coffee in bulk, green, it just comes to you, you don't, it doesn't, I mean, it goes bad eventually, but you can keep it a long time. And then you just roast it like a batch at a time, like a a week's worth of coffee at a time, maybe a pound each time. And it's so much cheaper in total. You'll save a lot of money and your coffee will be way better. And it's also kind of a fun hobby. So I've been having a good time. I'm making the best coffee I've ever made. It's been super fun. I just kind of wanted to share that with anybody out there who likes coffee and has been thinking, what if I, what if I had way better coffee and also saved money? You could get into roasting mm. your own coffee.
1: What if I made this hobby more complicated? Yeah, I got very obsessed with coffee toys. Of, of a variety for a while in my life and then i just went cold turkey no i don't have coffee at all anymore it's oh all that's right me.
0: you don't even drink coffee yeah that's another way to I go don't. that's valid but I, d-
1: I will say it's an extraordinarily fun hobby and i yeah. i completely understand where you're coming from because you can always further perfect oh sure
0: okay. and, the, mm. and it's just so good when it's freshly roasted oh it's yeah like, oh yeah man. but
1: what if it were a little better
0: that's anyway. true. That's true. I could get the even better <laughs> roaster. I could get a barrel right? roaster. No, it I'm is tempted. a slippery slope. I'm very but you, tempted. But it is a the the jump just to roasting your own is is very significant. Oh sure. All right, um, Maddie, what is your one more thing?
1: Mine is the. The 2021 remake of West Side Story. I don't know if I should call this a remake. I don't know what to call this. It's just Uh, another,
0: the Spielberg adaptation. There is is
1: a Steven Spielberg adaptation of the musical. I think of it as a remake because, I mean, it has an actress from the original
0: movie. Yeah, Rita Moreno.
1: Rita Moreno, who plays a version of the character Doc. So I am a huge fan of West Side Story was my fav- one of my favorite musicals as a kid. I I only pause there because I can't pick a favorite musical cuz I was one of those yeah. kids. Um mm-hmm. I was very into this and like Les Misérables and like Fiddler, you know, anything heard, about, heard about Fiddler, Fiddler, anything about yeah. like injustice and falling in love and like political intrigue but also love conquering all and like that's, you know, that's what West Side Story is. It is an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, except it's about racism. And <laughs> it is uh, set in the modern day of like 60s New York. And it is about Puerto Rican immigrants on the West Side and a white gang versus a Puerto Rican gang. And they're all teenagers. They're all children. So the, the production that I was super into as a kid was a production my sister was in as a kid herself. She's older than I am. And I feel like this is like the perfect high school production, by the way, like this and Romeo and Juliet, like any story about kids and how tragic it is when these kids are murdering each other, like mm-hmm. it just it works so well with kids and the woman. Um, <laughs> now I'm imagining plays, a battle
2: royale high school production. I mean, <laughs> the movie
1: battle royale, part of what is so intense about it is how young all of the characters are. Right. But I imagine
2: mean, it as like a play in high school. That'd be incredible.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Like stage so, blood. Every mean, yeah, stage adaptation I, of that. that's the kind of stuff my high school would do. We were hardcore. Yeah. So, but part of, um, part of what's cool about this is that the, the woman who, I mean, I say woman, but she was cast when she was 17. The girl who plays Maria is Rachel Ziegler.
0: She's she amazing. Incredible. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> like yeah.
1: clear as a bell singing voice. Her so voice. beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's unearthly. And also just her acting is incredible. She's a movie star. Yeah. She I, is she's, going know. to be in everything and should be. Um, but she is like, she <laughs> just has is a child, like appears to be a child, but is playing this sort of beyond her years wise character. Who, she was
2: born in 2001. That's, I know, uh, right? to feel old? <laughs> uh, right,
1: right. Wild stuff. Um, yeah, she doesn't have a memory of what happened on 9-11. She was not born, um, mm-hmm. probably, or was a, an infant. Yeah, I. she's incredible. Um, I will say, though, Ansel Elgort, as Tony, did not love it. Did not think it worked. And I promise I'm not only saying that because there have been various allegations about Ansel Elgort having inappropriate relationships with young women. He's denied it all. I read quite a lot about it today because I was curious. It's, I think, some very sad stories. Um, But that isn't why I didn't think he was good. I just straight up thought he was too old for the part. And the fact that he was apparently supposedly pursuing younger women just casts a weird pallor over it all. But it's... If you can ignore that, which I somewhat easily could because I got a screener in the mail from the WJE (laughs) and could watch it for free without feeling like I was giving my money to it. I had sort of a different relationship to it. Um, And I really, really liked Rachel Ziegler as Maria. All that said, I know I've been talking a while. All that said, so Tony Kushner um, helped adapt the original uh, play and there's so much extra stuff in here and I don't know if they needed it. I know you watched it as well, Kirk, and I'd be curious for your take on it they add in like a whole backstory for Tony and like a boxing plot line for Bernardo and as somebody Mm -hmm. who's so familiar with the original play it was weird to see those changes but some of them I thought were really cool they really flesh out anybody's character it's like this sort of genderqueer gang member and they cast Mm -hmm. like a non-binary actor to play them which like is wild and really neat but then they the Rita Moreno as Doc thing I thought really changed the vibe like Doc is like this elderly white guy who teaches Tony not to be racist as like an ally and having him be friends with this elderly Puerto Rican woman really changes his character not for the worst but it didn't really feel like the play knew how to mm-hmm. grapple with what kind of person Tony would be if that was his upbringing because there isn't quite space for that but Rita Moreno is great they give her one of the songs in this show that normally Maria sings and she does it beautifully so I would say all in all I, I loved it and you know, it's an incredible musical. But what did you think? Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. I I mean, overall, I thought it was wonderful. I totally agree. It's like Tony isn't a great character to begin with, but I thought that Ansel Elagort wasn't good. And I'll say that I actually saw this before I even knew there were allegations about him. Oh, wow. And my take at the end, I was like, all of that worked except for Tony. And as a result, (laughs) the the relationship, it's just because it's West Side Story. So they like, you're supposed to believe that they fall in love in this really yeah. intense teenagery kind of a way, and it just—they never really seem like they're having any fun. I, know.
1: I feel like they needed like a, a Tom Holland type. Like they needed like a more fun-loving kind of a Maybe, guy. As yeah,
0: Tom. it could have had a better Tony. I—I I, I really liked what Kushner did with it. I it felt like it kind of de-centered. The, the love story at the middle, a little bit by showing more of the context around them and the other characters. True. Like, I thought which the stuff cool. with Bernardo was cool. Like, even just fleshing out his relationship with Maria. I thought the fact that they were, like, on this condemned land that was going to be turned into Lincoln yeah, Center, that like, was the whole idea that they're fighting yeah. over just garbage, basically, was cool. Yeah, and
1: th- that they're all going to be evicted anyway, which yeah. is new. Yeah. It's. It's interesting. I mean, it's interesting in and of itself that there would be a version of West Side Story that would have new plot lines that you aren't familiar with. Like even that is yeah. quite daring. Yeah. So it's cool. It's, yeah. And, it's and also
0: it. and just I'll music, say that like the costumes the <laughs> are incredible. The Bernstein's music. Holy shit. I mean, I played in the pit for that in high school and love that music, it's so next level. And then just Spielberg, man. I mean, he gets to make a musical. He's never made yeah. a musical. And like, it's amazing. I mean, the, the gym dance is like just bananas. In America, the street number yes. where they have those crane shots and it's this huge thing. I mean, mm-hmm. these long, long takes of people just moving in concert. I mean, it's so incredible when yeah. it's at its most incredible. That just for that alone, it's totally worth watching. So, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I really liked it.
1: Yeah. And I know some people were like, Oh, you got to see it in the cinemas. I mean, this was a cinema cool only too. release, which I really think killed it. Unfortunately, it feels like such a streaming movie. And I'm sure the spectacle of seeing it in cinemas would have been really neat. But I'm just not really going to cinemas still. Yeah, so yeah. I really liked watching it at home. I'm one of the only people who's capable of watching it at home. And I'm kind of like, watch it at home. So yeah, you can
0: wait for it. It'll be fine. Yeah,
1: I don't know. It's good. Those songs. I'm going to get the Rachel Ziegler versions. I'm going to yeah. listen to them. She has a beautiful voice.
0: She sure does. All right. Well, that'll do it for this edition of Triple Click. Thanks so much to everybody for listening. And um, yeah, we've got a bunch more video games to talk about this month. It's going to be a fun one. So, so stick with us. Games. I'll see the two of you next week. See you next week. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes.